You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. I want to continue this morning with the second part of getting back to the basics. Turn to the person next to you and say, get back to the basics. And last week we started by looking at three areas. Number one, surrendering to God. You have to surrender to God. And we looked at the life of Jonah, where Jonah didn't want to surrender to God, but God still made him surrender in the belly of the whale. Jesus lived a life of complete surrender. He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Amen. Then we said, secondly, you have to surrender to the word of God. You have to make God's Word the standard for your life. When you allow the Word of God to become an integral part of you, by its very nature, it will change you, and you find yourself acting with God, walking with God, and planning with God. And lastly, we looked at surrendering to the call of God, that which God has predestined and planned for you. And in the call of God, you might face some challenges Because what God has planned for you, the enemy is not happy with that. Turn to the person next to you and ask them, have you been writing some tests? Tell them it's normal. So there's tests that you are going to write. You are going to write the test of compromise. Where you'll have to make a decision, am I going to compromise or not? And the enemy would always want you to bring heaven's standard down to an earthly standard. But we don't want that. Amen. You're going to write the test of ambition. Where you are going to have to make a decision. Am I going to put my trust more in what God can do for me than in the people around me that can maybe open doors for me? You're going to write the test of jealousy. Also known as that's not fair. Sometimes we want to say compare fairness and say it's not fair. But all you're really saying is that I'm jealous. And we looked at the workers that went into the field that worked the whole day and the workers that worked only one hour and they received the same reward. And the people were jealous. They said it's not fair. So I want to continue and I want to ask the question, are you prepared to surrender to the good fight? 1 Timothy 6 verse 12 says, fight the good fight. Lay hold of salvation, of eternal life. Turn to the person next to you and say, fight the good fight. Don't fight the wrong fight. Your boss is not your enemy. Don't go fight just with everybody. Amen? That's not what I'm talking about. The good fight of faith when you know you have to stand for that which is right. Amen? When we read the Bible, we see there's a woman, Hannah, and she cries out to God for a son. She says, Lord, if you give me this son, I make a promise. I vow that I will promise and give him back to you. And Eli says, your petition has been granted. And the Bible says within a year, she had a child, Samuel, a great prophet, And she had to take Samuel to Eli. 
Family, in this fight that we fight, the good fight, we have to be champions of hope. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have to be a champion of hope. Tell them again, say, be a champion of hope. So, we, in everything that we do, we have to embrace salvation. We have to bring hope to people. Are you ready to fight the good fight? Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 2, verse 12. We all know the story of, of Samuel and how he grew before the Lord, how his mother kept the promise. Family, when you've made a vow to God, keep the promise. Amen? The Bible in the book of Ecclesiastes says, don't be quick to make a promise and then go to the messenger of God, then go to the pastor and say, I made a promise to God. Can you please release me from the promise? You're going to get me in trouble with you. I'm not higher than God. Amen? If you've made a promise to God, keep your vow. Amen? This is many times when people, things don't work out. They've made vows to God. They've promised God. Lord, if you give me this contract, I'll be in church every Sunday. Lord, if you give me a child, I'll be like a Hannah and promise him to you. But then you never take him to church. You never train him in the things of the Lord. And we see here that Eli's two sons... 1 Samuel 2 verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were corrupt. They did not know the Lord. Verse 22. Now Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people, no, my sons, for it is not a good report that I hear you make the Lord's people transgress. We can see here that Eli knew what his sons were doing. His sons knew what they were doing, and the people knew what they were doing. A matter of fact, what they did caused Israel, the church, a type of the church to sin. Says, I can see, I've heard that you are deceiving women in church. You've come to church with a motive not to worship God, but to pick up a woman. Says, the things that belongs to God, the meat offerings, you are taking and eating what belongs to the Lord and not giving it to God. Says, I know that you are doing it. Sometimes when you see things that are not right, you're going to have to have the tough conversations. The fact that he ignored it didn't make it go away, especially here in South Africa. We think if we don't talk about something, if we don't mention it, it will just go away. It never goes away. Let me see your hand if I'm talking to the right people. If you delay to address something that you should address that is not right, fighting the good fight, if you don't address it, you are leaving it for your future. 
there will come a time when you have to address it. Whatever you do not address now is waiting for you in your future. Nobody says amen now. You're rather saying, I know I have to address some things. Amen? Everybody knew. Eli went and he spoke to his sons. He says, what you are doing is not good. It's not a good report. You know what he did? He just, he went and he spoke to them and he just went like, that's naughty what you are doing, don't do it. Do you think they stopped doing it? No, they didn't stop doing it. Family, there's a lesson in this. Do you know what happened to his two sons? They went out to battle with the ark, the tabernacle, and there was a battle and both of them got killed. When the messengers came to Eli and said, both your sons have died, and what happened to the Ark of the Covenant, he fell over and he died. You don't ever hear somebody say, I want to be like Eli. All, everybody wants to be like Samuel. The Bible says that the sons of Eli did not know God. They sat in church. They rendered services unto the Lord but it was really not unto the Lord, it was unto themselves to enrich themselves. But the Bible says this young man, Samuel, he ministered to the Lord. In those days, the revelation of God's word was very scarce. But God spoke to a young Samuel. There's a lesson for us to learn here. Eli never addressed the problem with his sons. He thought, if I tell them they're not allowed to serve in this way anymore, it would mean I'm a failure. But if he had corrected them or said, stop what you are doing, he would have been the hero dad. He would have brought salvation to them. Many times we sit with rebellion and we don't address it and we think it will go away. Family, this principle in the church is true. And in your own house, it's true. Many of you are sitting with rebellion in your houses because you never addressed it. You didn't want to fight the good fight. You didn't want to surrender to the fight. You thought, no, let me just stand back and say nothing. If you say nothing, it's not going to go away. The best leadership thing that you can do in the church is tell the church the truth. You need to know the truth. Turn to the person next to you and say, the truth will never hurt you. Eli should have gone to his sons and said, you have to leave the temple. You are causing God's people, Israel, a type of the church, to sin. They are starting to do what you do. Turn to the person next to you and say, have the tough conversations. In your house, if there's things that's not right, don't ignore it. By ignoring it, it will not go away. 
When you say nothing, you are enabling the dysfunction. When you say nothing, you are disabling the dysfunction. Silence is a form of consent. Remember, Jesus was about to be crucified. So the plan was, here's Barabbas. He who represents killing, stealing, destroying. He was a murderer. He was supposed to be in jail. Here's Jesus. Here's Barabbas. Who should we crucify? People were shouting, crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus. Let Barabbas go. Many people, you and me, we didn't say a thing. And it was our silent consent that caused Jesus to be crucified and Barabbas to be released into our lives, killing, stealing, and destroying. When you keep silent, that silent consent opens the door for what you are keeping silent about to come into your own life. Am I helping you here this morning? Family, listen to me. If somebody comes to you that's in the church or part of your leadership or at work, and they say, I feel hopeless. What do you do? If you keep quiet, you're giving a silent consent to hopelessness. And that hopelessness can come into your own life. If somebody says, I'm hopeless, you should say, there's always hope for the person who puts his hope in Christ Jesus. If you spend time in the Word of God, I assure you your situation is going to change. But if you keep quiet or you start talking about it, you say, I actually agree with you. This situation does look hopeless. There's no hope for you. You know what? Just give up. If you talk about it, you're empowering it. If you keep quiet, you're giving a silent consent and empowering the dysfunction. You have to come and declare the word of God. David, when he was down, he encouraged himself in the Lord. You missed a good place to say amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, encourage yourself in the Lord. In the church, don't enable negative talk against leaders nor the church. Go and read the book of Numbers. When people were complaining against Moses, you have brought us into the desert so that we should die here because there's not enough graves in Egypt. They were complaining against Moses. What did the Lord said? They are complaining against me. He actually said, how long will I put up with this evil congregation? No, amen now. Your confession that you make is your attitude before God. That's why you have to be very careful what you say, especially when you find yourself in a living church. Don't just move where there's a buzz. Absalom, Absalom, David's beloved son. David's beloved son. David never addressed the fact that he was stealing the hearts of the people. 
When David said one thing, he would contradict him every time. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel 15 verse 11 that Absalom took 200 people with him innocently. They did not even know that they were walking in rebellion. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is the truth. Family, listen to me. In the church, we don't just need spirit. You need truth as well. It's the truth that will set you free. Am I helping some of you here this morning? Let me see your hand. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to have some tough conversations. Innocent people joined him, and they became partakers of this rebellion. Do you know what was the end of Absalom? He died. Division is the spirit of killing, stealing, and destroying. As a servant of the Most High God, when you say something, you are either blessing or cursing. You're either building up or you're breaking down. If you say that you, a servant of the Most High, I mean you're a born-again Christian, your confession will always build up. You'll always be declaring hope because faith that is born of a man's spirit always gives hope because you were once in darkness, but when you believed in Jesus, you entered into light. Don't allow it and don't enable it. You know, sometimes people say, it doesn't look as bad as it is. Ever said that? When you say it doesn't look as bad as you think, you're busy enabling it. Have the tough conversation, fight the good fight of faith, and deal with the issue that needs to be dealt with. Sometimes we, we try to minimize the outcome. We say, oh, it's not that bad. The vision is always bad. A person that's not loyal is always bad. A person that gossips is always bad. Because by means of a whisperer, the best of friends are separated. It means somebody that says something negative about you can cost you one of your best friendships. So when people talk, listen if there's hope upon their voice, if there's unity upon their voice. Amen? David ends up fleeing from his son. And his son gets killed. I want to close with this scripture, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 32. The Bible says, give no offense. Give no offense, either to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. We are here many cultures, so we have to be sensitive because every person is doing things differently. But when we come together like the body of Christ, we celebrate a Christ culture. And most of all, we do not give offense to the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, where Jesus is the head and we are the body. Amen. Hallelujah. So that was number four. Number five, you have to surrender to the body of Christ. You have to surrender to the body of Christ. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians 4 verse 14. Jesus lived a surrendered life. 
says here that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love. That's the church, speaking the truth in love. May grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Do you know what the Bible says? It says everybody needs edification. Everybody wants to experience the love of God. It says when you find your rightful place in the body of Christ, we will start to build each other up in love. We often use our liberty as an opportunity for the flesh by means of biting and devouring each other. But Galatians warns us, says, be careful lest you yourself be consumed. Amen? Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have to find your rightful place. Jesus is coming back for his bride. He's coming back for the church. Psalm 92 verse 13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Not the houses of the Lord, the house of the Lord. Find the house where God has placed you. Become a part of that body so that the body can edify itself in love. Amen? He says when you find your rightful place, you will flourish. Even when you get old, you'll still be bearing much fruit just because you find yourself in the right body. If you go read the book of Ruth... I've shared this many times, but in the book of Ruth, Boaz is a type of Jesus, Naomi is a type of the Holy Spirit, and Ruth is a type of the church. Boaz gives instruction, Jesus, to drop hands full of seed for her. She's walking in the field, picking up hands full, not even realizing how blessed she is for receiving all of that. When she gets to her mother-in-law, her mother-in-law says, where were you today? She says, I was in Boaz's field. She says, don't be seen in another man's field. What is she saying? She says, where you are right now, God has positioned you to attract his favor. What you are picking up is unusual. I want to encourage you. There are many living churches. Go find the church where you are picking up hands full. Pick the church where you are picking up hands full and stay in that field. Be planted in that field. In the New Testament, Peter says, we are living stones being built into a spiritual house, not houses. Israel had 12 tribes, and there were times where they got together, and it's, it's good to have cross-pollination. But find your church and be planted there. You're a living stone. If I had to break out the brick here, go build it in somewhere else, and every week come back and put it here, I'm weakening this. I'm going to say, can I really trust on this brick? God wants us to be loyal. The Bible says the Spirit of God moves to and fro looking for those with a loyal heart. When your heart is loyal, you'll see God will show himself strong on your behalf. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have to be loyal. Tell them again, say, you have to be loyal. 
after you've surrendered to the body of Christ, you're going to have to surrender to the process. Turn to the person and say, surrender to the process. Romans 5 says, and not only that, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And we know that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts. So the process means there's going to be some challenges. Sometimes we want to pray our challenges away. But they are the very things that God is using to shape us, to mold us, to get ready for the future. Amen? When God is with you, whatever you are going through will make you better and not better. Turn to the person next to you and say, get better, not better. It's just a process. You have to ask yourself. Many people say, I have character. I've been going through tough and challenging times. Do you have the character to handle the success when it comes to you? Because the Bible says that God has planned good things for you. He has planned success for you. God is more interested in your eternal glory than in your current comfort. Now, you don't hear any amens when I say that. It's about your character. What God has promised, He is going to do. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you still with me? Are you still happy? Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm in a process. Number seven, surrender to the gifts that God has placed on the inside of you. God came to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, and he said, my servant Moses is dead. What is he saying? He's saying, you don't have to be like Moses. Don't try and do it the way that Moses did it. My servant Moses is dead. That is in your past. I've called you to go into the promised land. Says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. You know what he was saying? He says, when I'm looking at you, I see you as a winner. I see you as a conqueror. I'm going to be with you. Then he gives him the recipe how to be successful. Family, listen to me. Don't try and be a carbon copy of another person. It's the biggest problem that we have in the church today. There are many originals. There are many living churches. But the mistake that we make is we want to be like somebody else. We want to be a carbon copy. God is saying it is your time to be who God has called you to be. Many times when God gives you an instruction, you look at your limitations. Moses, I cannot talk in front of people. If God gives you an assignment, He will empower you for that assignment. The best way to get empowered, He said to Moses, meditate in this word. Observe to do. The problem in the church today is the church is educated beyond her obedience. She knows a lot, but she's doing little. When you walk with God, when you yield to that which God has got for you, surrendering to it, say, Lord, your will, not my will, you'll see what God will do. Your limitations 
will not be an issue because you'll see God will manifest His strength in your weakness because it's all about Him. Only be strong and very courageous. Turn to the person next to you and say, be strong and very courageous. Then the last thing I want to close with is you have to surrender to your future. You have to surrender to your future. Joseph had a dream. He had a prophetic picture of what God had planned for him, and he surrendered to it. The Bible teaches us about a man called Zacchaeus. He was very, very short, a short man. He was so short that when Jesus was walking through Jericho, that he had to find a tree and climb up the tree so that he could see Jesus, and Jesus noticed him. Don't just think about today, think about tomorrow. So the question we have to ask in this whole story, who planted the tree? Turn to the person that you say, who planted the tree? The truth is that tree to have been high enough for Zacchaeus to climb in, somebody had to plant that tree 50 to 70 years earlier. It means somebody planted that tree before Jesus was born. Somebody planted a tree before Jesus was born, a seed that produced the salvation of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus became a bishop. Zacchaeus became a man that sponsored the gospel. He did so much for the gospel. Ask yourself, what seeds are you planting right now that will have an effect on people's lives in the future, that will leave a legacy? You know what this teaches us? There's certain seeds that we are planting now that people will enjoy the harvest. A generation yet unborn will enjoy what we are doing right now, and we won't even see it. Are you surrendering to your future? What are you doing now? What seeds are you planting right now that will affect generations to come? There was a decision that he made if you go listen to the first part, he moved from the spirit of me to the spirit of we. Where it's not just about me, but it's about the whole body of Christ. You have to look at your future different, in a different way, and surrender to your future. That's what God has called us to do. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have a good future. When you look at the book of Joshua, God has planned success for you. God has planned success for you. I'm going to close with this, and in conclusion, I, I want to quickly just touch. Have you made a decision to surrender to fight the good fight? Go and address the things that you have to address. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm going to fight the good fight. Make a decision and surrender to be part of the body of Christ because two believers are better than one. A threefold cord is stronger. For if one falls and he's got somebody with him, you can be picked up. Amen. Then you have to surrender to the gifts that God has given you. A Joshua, what God has called you to do. Amen. Surrender to the process. And lastly, surrender to the good future that God has planned for you. 
and get to that place where you say, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.